0: Have you ever been to a party where the majority of guests don't show up at the right time? Sure, you were able to have some lovely one-on-one conversations with your host and the few others who arrived on time, but the party didn't really kick into gear until you've got a critical mass of people. That is what it feels like right now, being a metaverse early adopter. There is value in being there at the beginning, I know, but frankly, it is more fun the more people get involved. So, how do we invite more people into this space? And why should we be looking forward to the future? This is the last episode of Season Two. And I'm your host, Kathy Hackle. Today on Metaverse Marketing, we'll look at what is coming as we extend the reach of Web3 and the Metaverse.
1: If you've never been to Paris, you know what you say? What's so great about Paris? I don't have to go to Paris. So the metaverse is just exactly like that. Like, what's so great about the metaverse?
0: That's my dear friend and fellow futurist, Faith Popcorn. She is an icon. And she has been forecasting cultural trends since the 1970s. She urges the companies she
1: works with to take the rise of the metaverse seriously. We are the explorers and the discoverers of what is gonna happen. And it's our job ethically, morally, intellectually, and economically to build a circumstantial case so others who are not futurists can see it and believe it. Now we have like almost a five decade history of being correct, right? And still, if we say metaverse, they go, no. And even if I go, but you said no about this and no about that, no about this, no about that, that it all happen they go, I know, but this one's not, no. So it's very hard. To tell people that the world isn't flat, it's round. It's very, very hard. As a matter of fact, I think it's pretty impossible. I think just a percentage of people get that, and other people wait. It's not the metaverse. Not happening. The metaverse, while they're saying it's not happening, is happening. And we tell them, your competition, I think, may believe a little bit more in the metaverse than you do, and you know, it puts them way ahead of you. Now, it may be easy to say, sure, the metaverse is happening. But
0: what will it look like? Who will be in charge? In our Utopia and Dystopia episode, we examine some of the hopes and fears surrounding the future of privacy, moderation, and creativity as we head into the future. And there are a lot of possibilities in every direction. Kathy Lee leads the defining and building initiative at the World Economic Forum, which tries to answer some of these questions. I am proud to be a part of this initiative.
2: I think we have a unique opportunity right now to basically rewrite the history, to set the foundations for the metaverse and avoid the problems of today's internet propagating into Web3. So defining and building the metaverse is an initiative we launched earlier this year in response to the immense business and public interest in the space. Media and the world accelerated interest in the space, when Facebook rebranded to meta, but in fact, the technologies and the concept of the metaverse have already been percolating for some time and are expected to be fundamental to our next internet iteration. With all this accelerated interest, but with something still in quite a nascent state, we felt the time was right to bring the public and private sectors together to really understand the opportunities and challenges beyond the hype. It's about bringing together key stakeholders, including private sector, governments, civil society, and academia, to define and build the parameters of a economically viable, interoperable, safe, and inclusive metaverse. The initiative focuses on two key areas. One is metaverse governance. What does good governance of the metaverse look like? And how can we recommend regulatory frameworks accordingly? And second, Economic and Societal Value Creation, which studies how innovation and value creation can be strengthened for the benefit of society. More than 100 companies and organizations have committed to joining the initiative since the launch of the initiative at our annual meeting in Davos in May this year. We're hoping to take some learnings from the formation of the existing internet to be proactive about governance in the space and to help easy inevitable transition from an economic and societal standpoint as well.
0: Governance is a vital part of the metaverse's future. After all, if you look at the wild west, it was fun to see in movies, but in reality it was no picnic. And that's kind of what we're living right now. If you look at the social media platforms and the conversation that has been happening over the last years around the balance between free speech, content moderation, depression, so many things. And it only grows more complicated when we add the layer of extended reality and immersive experiences. As Mike Toner, Chief Marketing Officer at 3DM explains, the companies that do embrace the future of Web3 and the metaverse have a great opportunity to make a positive impact.
3: I'd like to think that we are creating the world we all wish to see. And what I mean by that is I hope that as the creators are coming from a place of health and wellness and acceptance and talking about tough issues, to to build the metaverse to allow for those things to be inclusive of those things, that is the world we all want to participate in, where everyone can achieve success, where everyone can participate and gain wealth if they want it. and change the world if they want to and bring new ideas forward. And so to answer your question of what I hope it becomes, it is a much different world. It is a much more open, inclusive, and and really focus in, I think, on us as human beings across the globe.
0: This is something that Nicola Mendelssohn and her team at Meta are very conscious of.
4: We feel we have a heavy responsibility here to make sure we're building the Metaverse responsibly and know that we take this really seriously. And I think sometimes when people talk about or think about the metaverse, they think of it as a very tech-centric experience. But actually, when I'm talking to the people that are building it, it's actually very human-centric. You know, we're thinking about things about how you give people the feeling of having a side chat at a conference with a friend or how you'll bring people together from different parts of the world, maybe to play a game together and have that feel real Or how you use VR to create empathy or or, or treat trauma? These are really, really human questions. And and I think it's important that people know that there's real thinking and feeling and and people behind the technology who really care that it gets used for good. But we can't go alone on this. It needs to be a collaborative effort where we work together and anticipate risks. This human-centered
0: thinking is an important component of attracting people into the future. My friend Theo Priestley is a futurist in a bit of a metaverse and Web3 agitator. And he sees the pitfalls of not relating these new technologies to average people.
5: I think tend to happen because they get so excited about the technology and they don't understand how it relates to everyday life. So what you get is a very blinkered Silicon Valley mentality where it's all you can see are the people around you who adopt these technologies instantly, as soon as they emerge, coming from that world myself, but also living in the real world and paying with real money and and buying milk down the shop and things like that, is that everybody has, you know, everybody around me has concerns of their own. Nobody here talks around about Web3 and Metaverse because they're more concerned about how i'm living paycheck to paycheck and when's my next car payment coming off like web3 for example there are nineteen thousand uh, DApps, decentralized applications on dap radar apparently and all of them are either an exchange or uh, an nft marketplace or a wallet and what you're doing is you're actually playing to the same crowd or the same community over and over again with these you're not actually touching anybody who has a A need to use something on a day-to-day basis. So adoption rates are slow, or adoption rates are basically contained in the same ecosystem or echo chamber, if you want to call it that.
0: As Philip Rosedale explains, the fact that the metaverse audience, depending on platform, is currently small, poses a challenge to its growth.
6: First of all, you know, brands are not ultimately going to be successful in virtual worlds until those virtual worlds are both large and populated with a goodly number of those brands customers so you know there's the very basic thing which we saw in Second Life which was that the population of people that were coming into Second Life and staying there was both a little bit of a a different population that is it wasn't a it wasn't a uniform cross-section of everybody in the world It, it, it was in certain ways but I think psychographically it wasn't And also, more importantly, Second Life is still about a million people that are using it. And so, of course, that's just not a large enough city (laughs) or place for brands to get into just yet. I think the same problem exists today with the metaverse projects that are going on. There isn't any population of a significantly, of a greater size than Second Life. Indeed, I would defend that if you're talking about grown-ups, if you're talking about people that are, you know, uh, late teens and older, Second Life, I I think, is still, by a good margin, the largest population of those people.
0: Randy Zuckerberg, with her Web3 community and incubator hug, has been working to expand interest in this space. Instead of brands waiting around for people to get involved in the metaverse, she sees them as an important gateway
7: for consumers. I think brands play a crucial role in this space because the essential thing in order for Web3 to take off is that more people need to just discover what Web3 is and fall in love with it. I sometimes feel that companies inside of Web3, they spend all of their time talking to people who are already bought into Web3. They spend all of their time on crypto Twitter and in Discord and in all of these places where people are already sold. But the problem is there's something like only a few hundred thousand people that have bought an nft ever or engage i mean that could practically fill like one soccer stadium or one esports arena and what we need is we need to bring in the next 50 million people. We need to spend less time thinking about how to get an incremental 200 people into a Discord and start thinking about how we get 200 million people into Web3. And I think that's the crucial role that brands can play because brands do speak to such a broad consumer audience. Brands can really play that that middle Important role of, of being the in between between Web3 and consumers and onboarding that next generation. So, what does
0: it look like for a brand to play this role? During the season, we've talked a lot about building immersive experiences, engaging with your community in new ways, and utilizing new commerce models. Over the years at Roblox, Christina Wooten has seen what it means for a brand to really engage.
8: One, you know, they've taken the time to educate themselves on the platform. Roblox has had this community for over 15 years. So a lot of things that have already been happening and you have to understand the platform first and foremost, understand who's been developing, you know, and creating on the platform and and listen to them, collaborate with them and understand what's going to resonate well. And then again, make it fun and not just about your brand itself, a one-to-one replication, how can you even make that, you know, take that one step further, push creative boundaries, Create together with your audiences, because that's what really the digital space enables is, you know, we don't have the restrictions that we do in the physical world. So how do you create that fun? How do you create that community? We say it's not just about reaching an audience. It is about building a community. And how do you keep them engaged? How do you how do you give them things that are going to benefit them on the platform?
0: Oh, the age old question of what's in it for me. Building out the future for the metaverse is going to require answering that question for many different demographics with entirely different interests, skill sets, and feelings towards technology. If you have ever spent any time trying to convince your grandma that it's easier to read emails on the computer than printing everything out, you may not be optimistic about the path to widespread adoption. Fortunately, one of the driving ideals of the metaverse is simplifying and streamlining our access to the virtual world. Adam Sharp, Associate Director of Virtual Worlds at Journey, sees advancements in visual technology is an important component for convincing skeptics.
9: The idea of getting more graphical horsepower so that the worlds we can build are our higher fidelity is really exciting to me. But I don't I don't want that anticipation of the future to turn off people today. Some of my friends that I try to get into VR and say, hey, come play these games with us. They'll say, I don't know, man. I've seen YouTube videos and it looks like Nintendo 64 graphics is something I frequently hear. And and I'll give them that point. When you take a stereoscopic image and compress it into a flat video for YouTube, it does look like garbage. But when you're in that world and it's surrounding you, your brain almost clicks on a filter that goes, doesn't matter what it looks like, it's real. I'm in it. Let's go.
0: Advanced graphics will be just one way of blending our virtual and physical experiences. New types of interfaces, especially those that eliminate the feeling of being an interface, will broaden the metaverse's appeal.
9: It's amazing to see how the screen has slowly been moving closer and closer to our brains. You know, in, in the past, it was a giant room full of computers running on tape. And then it was this clunky Gateway 2000 sitting in my basement. And then it's your laptop on your lap, your phone in your hand. What's next? Right. Is it something we're putting on our faces, like with virtual reality, where I love to spend time now? Is it a direct kind of neural interface that is speaking directly to our brains and pulling out our, our, our intent and our emotion, allowing us to use those as tools in a virtual experience? I don't know, but I do know that it's going to keep getting closer.
0: Another technology that smooths our interactions with the digital world is conversational AI. Before becoming a part of Journey, Brandon Kaplan founded Skilled Creative. He advocates that Metaverse developers not forget about the power of voice and conversation.
10: There's all of these really powerful, productive tools in conversational AI that can be applied to physical, digital, and virtual environments and make them frictionless and more efficient and more fun and more conversational, which is how we naturally converse with each other. And if you think about how we control the world around us, certain things we control with touch, right? Graphic interfaces, keyboards, a computer mouse, you push a door open. There's a lot of tactical haptic type controls. But the rest of what we do in our world, we control with our voices. The conversation that we're having right now is a is a conversation. When I When I'm asking for directions in the street, it's conversational. When I order a coffee in a coffee shop, it's conversational. When I'm in, you know, 50,000 back-to-back Zoom meetings as everybody else in the world, those are conversations and and those need to have a really good flow for them to be functional. And so when we think about all these new emerging landscapes like the metaverse and VR and AR, you're going to have to have good conversational controls. And so conversational AI is going to be a really, really important user interface to any of these emerging technologies that that
0: come out. That ideal seamless metaverse will require not only easing the transition between the physical and the virtual worlds, but also the transition from one virtual world to another. This is where interoperability comes in. Nicola Mendelssohn explains true interoperability will require extensive cooperation across platforms and companies.
4: I think. One of the key differences between the metaverse versus the internet that we know today is the goal that we have to make it interoperable, to make it easier for people to move from one space to another and to take items that they're buying in one place to be able to take those with them. So if you buy a t-shirt at a concert, you're going to want to be able to take that t-shirt out of the stadium and go into the restaurant afterwards kind of thing. And, And that's how we're thinking about portability and interoperability in the metaverse as well. Theo Priestley describes some of the challenges this will raise.
5: So you can't even just say I'm going to take this cup, and for everybody who's on this podcast, I'm holding a cup here. So the cup in my game, I've defined it. It has properties, it's 3D, it's got a mesh. I know what would happen if it fell on the floor and it would smash and it would smash in a particular way because that's how I've designed it. And it looks this way and it has physics. In your game, which would be completely different. I can't take this cup into your game without you actually knowing what this object is. So you have to look at this and say, right, I need, I need all the data about this cup to be able to support it in my game, and I, I need to be able to know what to do with this cup. So if a user is playing around or a player is playing around in your game, it needs, you know, and that person wants to take the cup from one place to another you've got to have the right animations of of everything else in that world to interact with it. And this is what people don't understand about interoperability or portability, is that fact that there is so much tied to this tiny little object. And the other thing as well is that you, as as a developer or as a platform, why would you support this, my asset, for the three people who want to take their cups into your world, right? And the 20 people and the $500,000 $500,000 budget that you would have to spend in order to do it this is what people don't understand at the moment so interoperability is not just a, is is it's nothing to do with blockchain blockchain is a ledger and when you think about it it's like you're carrying a receipt where the receipt doesn't give you the right to move that object from one place to another so we have to look at file formats we have to look at how to translate data and i think the closest thing that we can get to some kind of standard is usd which is universal scene description which is something that was created out of disney pixar and nvidia and i think epic games are starting to push this quite heavily now as a as a way to break down all the constituent parts of what an object or what a scene you know or an area is and and describe it in data uh, in data terms in a standardized way so that every game or, or developer can use those assets. And I think that that's where the decentralization comes into play. If there's another aspect I want to get really excited about, it's having a sing almost like a, a decentralized source of assets and if I develop an asset, I'm gonna upload it somewhere. And it means everybody's going to be open source and everybody can use this asset as they see fit. And I've already done the hard work and you just basically take that file format and, and support it. And I think that that to me is where real interoperability will lie. Just being able to draw down an asset rather than having to physically move one asset to, to another.
0: Kathy Lee is also tracking the challenges posed by a metaverse built by competing companies.
2: What's really interesting though, is that the original Web 1, the Internet as we know it, was invented by governmental research labs and agencies, and very few people understood its potential commercial upside at the time. It took decades for private sectors to build and iterate and arrived at the Internet as we know it today, with all of its exciting opportunities and many challenges that come with it. Now with Web 3, Metaverse, On one hand, you have all the largest technology companies of our time investing significantly into it in order not to miss out on its commercial potential. On the other hand, the underlying philosophy of Web3, which is all about giving individual users their data ownership back, is very much at odds with what the big platforms are trying to achieve, at least for the time being. So, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out and how the industry will be made.
0: We'll be back to Metaverse Marketing in just a minute after these messages. It may be difficult to currently imagine a true decentralized internet, but younger generations are coming to expect the ease of access it would provide. As a mom to Gen Alpha daughters, the Games Hers co founder Rebecca Dixon has a front row seat to how rising generations. Already jump across platforms and between the physical and virtual worlds. The line between
2: IRL and URL is blurring. I watch my middle school daughters have
8: conversations with their friends that go right back and forth in the same sentence between things that they were doing online and in person. They continue conversations and that's where the community and friendships are built.
0: Christina Wooden from Roblox. Urges brands who are interested in having Gen Z and Gen Alpha customers in the future to pay attention to them as customers in the metaverse today.
8: You know, Gen Z, it's like they don't really see a difference sometimes in physical and digital. It's all an extension and it's all, you know, it's really them and it's really their experiences. So this is something that's been really special. And and on Roblox, we do enable our community to create. So they are the ones that are shaping the future. And And, and if, you know, they don't see it, they can create it. And so when a brand comes on and they want to get real-time feedback or they want to co-create with their audiences before products are even created in the real world, they want to create storylines before films and TV shows are in production. All of this is happening. And this is a huge opportunity for brands to just be involved in that whole process. And we know, especially with Gen Z, they want their favorite brands to feel loyal to them. They want to feel like they're being heard. I always say if, if brands aren't Paying attention, they're not engaging with this audience now. They, they won't be relevant to them in the future.
0: Ioana Mate has seen a similar need to connect at PNG, and in her work with her NGO, Women in Immersive Technologies.
11: I mean, I'm looking at my nieces, and I need to be on Roblox to have a conversation with them because they're not replying to emails anymore. Like, so they're like, this is the space they they are in. So I think there is a there is an expectation from from this younger generation to be there and we want to be where the consumer are regardless right so it's for us to understand like how do they think how do they operate how do they communicate and i think this collaboration with the young generation in terms of kind of their creativity and and how they see the world and what does it mean for them it's it's super important and and they come with such rich experience and, and imagination we have equally the chance to contribute but also developing the you know, the interaction rules that create safe environment. And I've seen it in the young generation in the work that I'm doing with NGO, where they come in avatar form and with their, you know, super creativity and their avatars are look amazing. And, you know, that's it's all wonderful. And, you know, their their social, um, you know, barriers are kind of dropping off and they're like, truly there. And we need to make sure when they're coming there, the environment is there to welcome them as well as they are and as they want to be.
0: Building in ways that are accessible, inclusive and safe will be incredibly important for bringing more people into Web3 and the metaverse. This is one of the principles my journey colleague Sasha Wallinger embraces
8: what a large part of this web three moment offers us is to be intentional about people that we invite into conversations, but also be prepared for the unexpected. So there is that dance and that responsibility to being in the room and looking to make sure that the whole, you know, lens of, of the people that you see in real life are represented, but also to welcome in a voice that might not necessarily be implicitly, you know, you'd know, think that there'd be an opportunity for them to contribute and, and allow them to have a voice in space. So sometimes it's really important to be loud and, and to be very much a, a contributor. And other times I think the value is in listening. And I think that if Web3 is going to be that constellation that we want it to be, we're going to have to have a dance between listening and speaking, just as we would in any good conversation.
0: Michelle Klein, VP of Global Business Marketing at Meta, Urges marketers and communicators to get involved in that conversation today.
12: There were things that we were doing before as human beings, and then we applied a layer of technology over the top, and suddenly, you know, whole new industries are born, new consumer behaviors are created, and you can't imagine ever going back to the way that we used to do things. And so I think that that's, you know, where we're at on this precipice right now with rewriting. You know certainly from a marketing perspective the playbook not losing focus on the things that we know work and are foundational to driving business goals and driving you know brand health and consumer connection but having the the confidence to really explore and and you know find out what how this space could work for you and your business i would certainly can as a marketer have at least you know 10 percent of time or budget set aside to really think about exploration and how to get on board and how to really equip your organization to be thinking about this and then try some tests and see see what happens and learn as you go. We sometimes don't move fast enough in this industry and then we can look back and say gosh I wish I had you know had a, a mobile enabled website when mobile kicked off many years ago or figured out you know what my app strategy would be, and then we're sort of rushing to to get there. And so I do think it's a good lesson as these new platforms emerge to be surrounding yourself with the intelligence and the knowledge on how you might adapt to that, whether it's now or whether it's five years in the future.
0: Zoe Scheman advises brands to not only investigate the possibilities in Web3 and the metaverse, but embrace a mindset shift away from traditional marketing campaigns and towards community building and authenticity in the metaverse.
13: I think most of them are terrified and digging their heads into the sand and going i don't want to deal with this i don't want to look at it but the ones that are more open to it you know they are starting to understand that this is not just a campaign that you can do it's not going to be you know a one off time duration that that is that they're going to put that effort into and it's going to be much more around sort of long term bets and actually building on those long term bets and hypotheses over time so that you can start to transition you know your business in a slightly different direction and i think they're all like oh my god this is just overwhelming it's a completely different world and that's why we've seen loads of shit activations so a lot of it has been traditional campaign thinking applied to this brand new world and the two are clashing and they just don't work so I do think it's a it's a complete mindset shift on long-term bets on lots of pilot programs and on trying to find ways to kind of tap into niches whereas previously we've been all about breadth and reach and followers and going viral and now we're actually looking at kind of niches squared as the new success model but they just don't know how to operate it this can
0: probably go without saying But it is difficult to be a pioneer. Just in the past couple of months while we've been producing this podcast, there have been some major setbacks in the Web3 space and the economy in general, as well as the public perception of the word metaverse. As Mike Toner describes, despite these setbacks, there are still incredible developments happening, and they are happening quickly.
3: What's fascinating to me is week by week, watching the advances of people just sharing what they're working on, you know, on LinkedIn and Twitter a lot of the motion motion capture and avatar work that's being created through the Snapchat and TikTok lenses the removal of the your your physical body and the replacing of that with an avatar i'm watching week by week what i think might be you know year long advances the things that i thought would have taken 12 months to build and integrate and because there is such collaboration in the space, you're seeing people combine and mix and match and create these recipes of technology that make me believe you're, you're only months away from seeing realistic fabric being placed onto a human body or an avatar. The technology is literally exploding in its capabilities week by week.
0: Brandon Kaplan emphasizes a similar point when working with clients interested in the metaverse.
10: There's all of these, let's call them utopian concepts of, you know, AR, VR, metaverse is going to give us this, the, these new worlds that we can explore and people are going to spend significant amounts of time in them. And there's a ton of technology being built right now in the hopes of that, you know, metaverse utopia. And I think, well, the reality is that that metaverse utopia is maybe a long way off or may never happen, how we're thinking about it today. But the technologies that are being developed to support that vision are actually gonna change the world really quickly. And we're seeing that happen in a lot of different spaces, even things like these AI production tools like GPT-3 and Midjourney and DALI. Those are infrastructural tools to web three and the metaverse But they're very quickly changing the world. So components of it are going to change the world very quickly. But long term, will we all be living in a metaverse hanging out all day every day? I don't know, maybe sometime in the future, not for a long time, but components of it every year will will grow more
0: and more and more. Zoe Skamen looks forward to the possibilities as more creatives engage in this space.
13: What happens when we democratize creativity and we remove all of the gatekeepers? How do we start to take artwork and character creation and world creation and say it doesn't just belong in an exclusive hollywood writers room it doesn't just belong in a gaming studio you know we can open up the ability for people to concept to incubate ideas to contribute iteratively that kind of stuff so i think just this idea of mass creativity is really exciting and potentially where that could go we don't know what exactly the future of the metaverse will look like but
0: that's kind of exciting new technologies are still being developed and could bring about possibilities we can't yet imagine. As Theo Priestley explains, when new industries enter the space, they'll find their own interesting use cases.
5: I do think that, you know, over the next sort of 10 years, when all the squabbling and the nonsense dies down, we'll start to see some bona fide examples turn up. And a lot of them will be driven by industries that we were not considering. Manufacturing, for example, heavy industrial use cases, oil and gas, the military, highly advanced and very, very interested in metaverse because of the simulation capabilities. Smart cities, city development is gonna be another one where people will want to simulate what will happen if I changed, you know, a road. I mean, we'll see simulation on on a giant scale using metaverse applications or metaverse platforms outside of what we see right now, which is our all social and entertainment. This is the other thing I think that a lot of people just don't get, is that the metaverse represents so much more than just video games and social entertainment and you know casinos and, and all that kind of sort of thing. That's just one small part. It's obviously a very visible part, but that's just one small part of what the metaverse was, is. So I'm excited to see everybody else's version of this.
0: These new use cases won't come about unless business leaders are willing to take the risk and try something different. My colleague at Journey, Lee Keebler, who's the director of world building, is careful to make our clients feel comfortable and supported when exploring new technologies.
14: A lot of these leaders, the last time they played a video game was Miss Pac-Man. So, you know, they, they missed you know 20 years of video game growth talk with the, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and, and you put them into a video, what they see is a video game headset. They're actually starting to get concerned because they don't like being seen as the dumbest person in the room because they aren't. They just don't know this tech. So we start simplistic and we put them in, in simple simulations of things. And then all of a sudden, once they get past the the fear of how they might be perceived because they don't know anything about this, they start coming up with what they wanna do with it. And as long as you listen, that's where all of the answers are. We keep trying to like, as developers, we keep trying to shove the good ideas to the front. Like we, like we, for some reason, have the right to say what's a good idea. No, we're developers. That maybe we have a good idea and we throw it out there and we get feedback and we iterate on it and we we make it better.
0: When building something new and when developing cutting-edge technology, there are going to be periods where not everything works or quite makes sense yet. Randy Zuckerberg encourages people to overcome their fear of uncertainty and embrace being a pioneer.
7: I've learned so much from getting into the space. I think the first thing that it's reminded me of is that we are all beginners throughout our entire life. And that it's so important if you want to be on the front lines of something new and you want to dive into something new as an entrepreneur, you can't be afraid to be a beginner. When you're a beginner, you have to get over your insecurities of looking silly, of not knowing everything, of asking for help. And I feel like I've had to do that on the front lines of Web3, but with the thoughtfulness and experience that comes from already having spent time in Web2. Michelle Klein actually sees these periods of hardship as opportunities. I go back to like the previous
12: dot-com, when the bubble burst a decade ago, some of the best ideas were born. Sometimes it's scarcity and resource constraints that enable great ideas to to foster and nurture. So when you think about where we are now with an economic downturn, but certainly having the opportunity that technology is presenting us with, that could be just the most fertile ground for the best ideas to, to prosper.
0: As we explored in the episode on jobs in the future, the people and companies that succeed are going to be innovative, adaptive and ready to learn. I asked Brandon Kaplan what qualities he most appreciates about our colleagues and employees at Journey.
10: I've noticed that in innovative spaces, some of the best characteristics are kind of a a, a hunger for education, a curiosity, let's call it. People that are curious seem to do really well because a lot of these emerging spaces, there's no 20 year existing best practices rule book. Right? This isn't web SEO, web development, even mobile development. There's no you know, long-standing courses on best practices. There's no SaaS platforms that automate these things. It's all just kind of digging for gold. And people that are curious find those edges and they find those really interesting use cases and those really interesting ways to problem solve. And so when people have curiosity about the technology they're working in, they they seem to become more successful much much quicker and then some some form of like an entrepreneurial spark an autonomous spark where you know you can you can wake up have a really good team meeting and then you're kind of off to the races and you can self problem solve and collaborate and know when to reach out to people so a, a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit and curiosity and and you'll go a very very long way in in innovation the beauty of that is it opens up the possibilities of people that you can hire to much broader demographics because it's a new space we want you know i always say that we hire brains not resumes and someone could come from a copywriting background and then become a really you know really amazing conversational designer because it's a new category somebody could be a really incredible game theory strategist and then move into metaverse and be really successful and it's not a one for one that resume isn't necessarily perfect But there's a curiosity there and an interesting kind of adjacency that a lot of people can come in from different types of backgrounds and and get into these spaces, which is exciting.
0: The future of the Metaverse and Web3 lies in the hands of those of us who are brave enough to try something new and pioneer. It is hard work to build right now, but it is exciting work. As you are arriving early to this party, you will have a chance to experiment and create the type of environment you want to welcome others into. So I ask you, fellow builders, what's next? We started off season two talking about community, and I do believe the community is one of the superpowers of the future of Web3. I talked earlier about the people of the Metaverse community I'm working to build, which I am gonna be launching very soon. It'll include 1,555 NFT passes, to season one of the people of the Metaverse community. And you won't want to miss being a part of this community of intellectuals, artists, thought leaders, thinkers, and builders that are building the future today. I want to personally thank you for joining us for season two of Adweek's Metaverse Marketing Podcast. It has been my pleasure and my team's pleasure to bring you another season full of insight and interviews with the intellectuals, thinkers, creators, and builders of today. We hope you have enjoyed the season and we hope to see you in the metaverse. But wait, season two, isn't really over. While we only have eight episodes produced. We will be releasing some of the interviews we've done in their full length. So you can enjoy some of the insight from the people we interviewed. And in the meantime, stay connected, keep building And remember, the future is ours to create. I hope to see you
5: in season three.